Well, it had already been a long day for Jesus. As Mark, our gospel writer, tells us, Jesus had been in town for only a few days when the Sabbath rolled around and he found himself teaching in the synagogue. In order to be heard over the ruckus caused by an unclean spirit, he'd had to cast it out, causing a little bit more of a stir. And that was just the first day of his public ministry, his first stop on the road since his baptism and those temptations in the desert. Well, our reading today picks up as Jesus leaves the synagogue that same day, retiring to Peter's house, where he heals Peter's mother-in-law from a fever, and then it seems heals a good many of the townsfolk as well. As important as all that was, the really important thing is what happened next. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus went to a lonely place to pray. And while he was there, Peter and the other disciples tracked him down, hunted, hunted him, and told him that the whole town was searching for him. Now, there are a couple of hints in the text that something really big was going on. And first, Mark specifically mentions Jesus in prayer like this only three times in his entire gospel. And each of these times is associated with a major turning point in Jesus' ministry. Second, the Greek word used to describe the crowd seeking Jesus is a strong one, implying an earnest and an energetic search. So it's significant that Jesus quite suddenly, and without looking back, just up and leaves. He was a big hit. This certainly wasn't a lynch mob. That comes later. In fact, it was most likely exactly the opposite. The town folk appreciated what Jesus had done. They wanted to keep him there so that he could keep on doing it. To set down roots in Capernaum must have been a compelling temptation to Jesus. Remaining among them would have assured him of security, safety, prosperity, respect, things we want for ourselves and for those we love. If Jesus were to become their resident rabbi, he wouldn't have to be poor. His family wouldn't think he was crazy. He would have a normal life. He wouldn't have to be cold, hungry, or afraid for his life. In fact, his life would be easier and better in every way we consider important. Yet one of the ways in which we deny Jesus' humanity, our own temptation, one of the ways we deny his humanity, and in doing that, remove his life from our lives, is by assuming that all of Jesus' decisions were easy and automatic, that it was all just reading from a script. Mark is showing us that is not how it happened. As we all know too well, Jesus would not have been the first to trade challenge for security, to exchange the possibility for greatness for the assurance of competence, 
to swap the call of God for the rewards that come from giving the crowds what they want. The decision was so hard that he did exactly the same thing he did on the night before the crucifixion. He went off by himself to pray, to sweat out a tough decision, to decide which voice to follow. The voices everyone could hear rolling up the hillside chanting, we want Jesus, or the other, quieter voice, the one he heard at his baptism, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. He had to choose. There's a very real sense that all of creation held its breath waiting to see what would happen. Of course, Jesus' story is our story. It's, in basic ways, it always is. We know the lure of security and prosperity and safety and respect. We know how easy it is to settle, to settle for being just a little less than who we know we can be, to listen to those loud voices, to let their expectations rule. There comes a certain point when questions like this really begin to matter, when they begin to cost, when things get painful. And when that happens, the sense of who we are, of what it means to be the beloved child of God, can easily fade into the background. So we have to make choices. And whether we know it or not, heaven and earth waits to see what will happen. And that's one way we live out this story. Another way is that we as the church have to make pretty much the same decision that Capernaum had to make. We have to decide what to do about Jesus. We have to decide what to do about this man who comes to us proclaiming the kingdom of God and bringing healing and hope and a vision for a new life. In Capernaum, they tried to take the part of Jesus they liked best, a good preacher, an effective healer, and capture it, institutionalize it. They tried to locate him in their place, at their convenience, and for their purposes. They didn't want to be challenged. They wanted to be coddled. They didn't want to see beyond his gift of healing to see what that gift might ask of them. They wanted to keep repeating the good stuff. And in exchange, they were willing to offer him a very gilded cage. But throughout history and today, the church has faced this temptation of trying to domesticate Jesus, of assuming he has come for our convenience as one more resource we have for carrying out our plans. When we yield to that temptation, we find sooner or later, and in spite of our best efforts, that the nice house we built for him is empty and that he has moved on to the next town. 
To be sure, we need to know him like the people in Capernaum did. We need to hear his word. We need to know the power, the mercy, grace of his healing love. We can do nothing without that. But if we stop there, if we try to limit or control where Jesus can be found or what he's allowed to do, then we've missed the point. Perhaps the only person in Capernaum who really understood all this was Peter's mother-in-law. We don't know her name, but we do know from her a truth. It's simple. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. She didn't try to put Jesus in the medicine cabinet or open a shop down the street. She moved beyond herself and the gift she had been given to see the gift asked of her. She served. This is our choice too, as we live out that part of today's gospel. As the church, we can try to shelve Jesus or we can strive to serve him, which means to serve as he did. Sometimes it really is a hard choice. As hard as our personal choices between comfort and faithfulness. As hard as Jesus' choice between taking the cushy job or moving on toward the cross. Jesus rose from prayer and told Peter and the rest that it was time to go. The people searching for him were surely disappointed. Yet the kingdom of God grew in power. That same grace is offered to us today and every day as we are called to rise from prayer and to move forward in service. For the kingdom of God continues to break into our world. And all of creation is waiting to see what will happen. Amen.